0: In this week's Big Tech Show, we talk to the Dublin startup that wants to help big companies stop making stupid, embarrassing mistakes with their AI, such as telling people to eat rocks as part of a healthy diet. Basic definition of hallucination is say, stating something very confidently, but in fact, it's factually incorrect. This AI technology... Is very good at stating something very confident, mimicking human level confidence, but then they could be factually incorrect. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms.
1: Today on the Indo Daily, once the Celtic Tiger's poster boy, Jay Burke, the well-known publican and restaurateur, is facing into a financial nightmare that he intends to fight.
2: In relation to the the objectors, which are Goldman Sachs, which are a giant blood-sucking squid.
1: But he is unforgiving when he speaks of the institutions chasing him for money owed.
2: And I would argue that, in fact, it's a settled debt. And I will be arguing that in, in court, and, and I do expect to prevail.
1: And blames the pressures of debt on the deaths of his friends.
2: They sued John Reynolds, who has uh, unfortunately passed away, and they sued Hugh Regan, who has unfortunately passed away. So the consequences of these um, giant vultures uh, chasing people's estates and people to- chasing people like me I mean they're really quite consequential
1: but Burke isn't a stranger to controversy bar and restaurant closures or that infamous Berlin bar incident where social distancing guidelines were ignored when a barman poured alcohol into the mouths of dancing punters I'm Denise Kalman and today on the Indo daily. I'm joined by Jay Burke to tell us about life facing bankruptcy. Jay Burke, thank you for coming in to us today. We read this week that you're now facing the prospect of bankruptcy after your application for a personal insolvency arrangement has been dismissed by the High Court. How did this all come about?
2: Well, first of all, we withdrew our personal insolvency arrangement. So it wasn't dismissed. We withdrew it um, because we had an objector And uh, the objector, um, you know, the objector prevailed, I suppose, and we withdrew. So we're going back to lick our wounds and see what to do next, you know.
1: So uh, it was said in court by the barrister for your personal insolvency practitioner you know, it was said that Revenue are now free to move its bankruptcy petition against you. Do you yeah. think this is something you're going to fight?
2: Well, I'm not going to fight it. We, we, we I fully accept that we owe the revenue that I owe the revenue some money from a capital gain from 2006, uh, which we, which we tried to offset against other capital losses, and we had three appeals with the appeals commissioner, and and also went to the high court, and we lost that. Um, so. You know, that that means that it crystallizes and you have to pay it. So it's like you either pay it or you don't. <laughs> so I suppose I, I'm going to make an attempt to pay it um and do a deal with the revenue. Yeah and and and, and, and that'll be that. Uh, in relation to the uh, the objectors which are you know, Goldman Sachs which are a giant, you know, blood-sucking squid. Um I mean they they took over uh, a, a loan book from bank of scotland uh, where we i me and my partners in the blinter house hotel settled the debt there for 3 million and everyone got a full a letter of full and final settlement except for me and i would argue that in fact it's a settled debt and i will be arguing that in in court and and i do expect to prevail you know they sued John Reynolds, who has unfortunately passed away, and they sue Hugh Regan, who has unfortunately passed away. So the consequences of these um, giant vultures uh, chasing people's estates and chasing people like me, I mean, they're really quite consequential. It's incredibly sad. And, you know, in my my view, I mean, having worked with both of those men, they would have had a lot more to contribute. Uh, You know, uh, they're both 50 and they had a long way to go. And it's it's incredibly sad.
1: And how are you personally faring at the moment, Jay, and your family in this situation? Well, I,
2: I think it's incredibly unpleasant. I mean, obviously, you have to put everything in context. We're not, you know, fleeing our homes or, you know, millions and millions of poor Ukrainians have lost all their possessions and their homeland and their culture and they're scared to death. And so, you know, that certainly hasn't happened to me, but I certainly don't, I don't enjoy it. And I certainly don't enjoy the the untruth that is that the, it that the, the Belinter debt is not a settled debt. It is a settled debt, and I will be proving that in the High Court in due course.
1: So it is to put into frank words, it's a stressful situation at the moment. I think it
2: is. Yeah, it is. I mean, I have worked very hard for a long time, and uh, at the end of at the, at the end of my fifty fifth year or fifty sixth year, I find myself in a pretty pretty difficult position. H- however, you know. Let's get context here, you know?
1: Yeah, Jay, like you're quite a well-known person and you've had plenty of business interests and in pubs and restaurants over the years and you have been credited with bringing, you know, a sense of buzz and nightlife to Dublin City Centre and to Cork and Sligo and other areas. Can you tell us a little bit about those early years, like what you remember of it? And they must have been quite fast living, really.
2: Oh, I'm not sure if they were, but I mean, I think... If you were think back to Dublin and I started in 1988, it was a very different place. There was very few restaurants and nightclubs and pubs and it had a very young population and it was sort of beginning to wake up and sort of go dancing a bit. And uh, I suppose I was lucky enough to be of a certain age and to get involved at the time. And uh, I mean, it was very exciting in a sense. Um, I mean, Dublin was was only at a million tourists. So it, was, it was quite quiet at night compared to what it is today. I mean, we've ten million tourists now, and a huge amount of more people working and dancing, and you know. So the nighttime economy sort of it gives people who are young people who are working or who are growing up who are in college a bit of crack, and it's an important part of the city. So we were lucky enough to be involved. And the, so the, the growth of Dublin and the expansion of Dublin into a, in, into what is, it's a great city now for, for, well, for going out and having a bit of crack. So I mean, there was a lot of us involved as well. I mean, it wasn't, we had a few places, but other lots of people together, you know, opened up places and didn't object to each other and helped each other. And I mean, Hugh Regan was a great man for, he, he opened 16 pubs, but he was a great man for describing the cluster effect. The more there is, the more there is. So, and he was the progenitor of the Temple Bar, for example, you know, and if you, you could easily, you know, construct an argument, an economic argument to say that, you know, the Temple Bar actually supplies the state with an awful lot of money to do other things like build hospitals or whatever. And and people have a lot of fun there. So, you know, we, we, we were in our 20s at the time and we were busy doing stuff and it was, it was, it was honestly, it was great fun. It was very optimistic. And, uh, you know, people could, uh you know, go into bars with earrings, they could they could wear leather jackets, they could have mo- no one cared. You know, it became much more acceptable to be gay, it, it, you know, it, to be an individual, to be whatever you want to be. I mean, the old story of trying to get into a pub if you had an earring or a tattoo or whatever, I mean, you just weren't allowed in.
1: Yeah, like so, the front lounge really became the place to be, didn't it, Jay? Well, I
2: think it was a place to be. I mean, I, I, I kind of... I, I kind of loved it, because I, mean, I built it. I mean, I generally like everything I built. Um, but uh, it was great. It was a very open, very nice place. Yeah, very elegant. And, and in fact, you know, that street, uh, Parliament Street, was completely derelict when we uh, when we when we opened that pub. Uh, you know, uh, we, in the back of it, we used to get cars smashing in the back doors, and so we had to put bollards in to stop that happening. So it, that was an instant success it was a white pub it was very it was full of velvet in fact it, it was quite female um i always said i built it for my mum but uh, you know the gay community latched onto it and you know i said well you're very welcome and uh, that's how i sort of became a publican uh, involved a little bit with the gay community but although you know i've always maintained all of those pubs that we built were for everybody they were always inclusive uh, and, and that was very deliberate with everything we ever did. You know, as far as we were concerned, everyone's a VIP. There's no such thing as one person different than another. And you're all welcome as long as you're nice and peaceful and fun.
1: And and you 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 have, you've spoken briefly about your mother before, Jay. You, you did lose her quite sadly. Even Even to pay tribute to her with, you know, a business venture is quite special really, isn't it?
2: Well, I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, well, you know, we're all influenced by our parents. My mum had a, a long and, and very happy life, and uh, you know, so she's a great woman, and we miss her, but we think about her all the time. And uh, so, yeah, well, you know, I, I you know, mum had very high standards as well. So you wouldn't want to build something she didn't like, or <laughs> you wouldn't want to have the, you know, the brass is not polished, or you know, you'd want you want to have the the loos in good order. You know, you you, you know, she uh, she was quite a. Uh,
1: did you pass your ideas by your parents, Jay, or were you a bit of a single-minded? No, I mean, this? I think
2: you're uh, yeah, I mean you're certainly with food and stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I was very influenced by... I mean, my mother was a very plain cook, but a very, very good cook. So she, you know, said by the best of ingredients. And you know, so we ate, like, beautiful Irish food. And, you know, so I... I mean, that is my taste in food. I mean, so you're influenced by, you know, what you grow up with, what you think is great. I mean, I remember... One time we went to on holidays and we had these family bowls of spaghetti bolognese. And so when I opened Cafe Bordelli, we had family bowls of spaghetti bolognese That's and, cool. and things like that. And I think my mother, uh, she hated being overcharged. She hated uh, bad service. She hated places not being clean. She hated unfairness. So, you know, you, you had to, you know, live up to those ideals, you know, <laughs> I think. So, uh, you know, I give gave it a try anyway. <laughs>
1: over the years there's been you know headlines that I'm sure you've been reading one case of interest for people was um, an employment appeals tribunal in 2011 where one of your employees a chef Leanne McDowell she was awarded 50k by the employment Mm. appeals tribunal but you know it was reported due to the business circumstances she didn't get her money is this something you regret or have you spoken to her since
2: well I haven't spoken to her because the company was called she can uh, in fact the company lost its premises um, and was put into liquidation. So, you know, a liquidated company doesn't have any assets. Um, um, she was dismissed. Um, and I've, you know, that's a kind of private matter, really. I, I I take employment law very seriously and I take my employees very seriously. So I, I would rather not talk about that. It's a private matter. Um but so, I mean, so I mean you know, that is, that, that is a consequence of. of of that business failing. Mm
1: -hmm. So, Jay, you know, you're like employment law is something you're passionate about.
2: No, it's not. It's something I know about.
1: It's something you know about. So for for some of your businesses to have to close, that must obviously be disappointing on a personal level for your staff as well.
2: Well, it's devastating for everybody. And I mean, you know, the the, the crash in two thousand and six, seven and eight was was absolutely devastating for lots of people. Uh, you know to have to close a business because the rent's too high or because you can't reach terms with a landlord or because there isn't a the business there anymore it's 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 uh, its traumatising and look at I mean lots of people in the various recessions along the way lost their jobs I mean the, the first recession I was in business for was the 92 recession which was a, a very severe like uh, interest rates of 80% overnight and many 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 businesses uh, closed at that time and unemployment was very very high but, uh, you know, what came after that was, you know, low interest rates and a more stable economy. And there was a period of huge growth and, uh, you know, and growth in employment. And, you know, I, I played my small role in that. I, I employed a lot of people.
1: So, Jade, I suppose just, you know, sitting here today and I suppose taking stock of everything, do you think there's anything in your career or throughout your career that you would have done differently? There
2: are many things. Of course, there is. I mean, you, you make the... Decisions you make on the base, best information you have. But I mean, you, know, you can be wrong. You can have wrong information. You can make a mistake. And, I, and I've been in business for a long time now and I've made lots of mistakes. You know, many, and, many, many, many. many you know, I mean, yes, but you, you should reflect on them and think about them, you know.
1: I suppose there's no businessman that doesn't have regrets, Jay. Is there one that just in particular would stick out in your mind?
2: No businessman that doesn't have, no person that doesn't have regrets. Yeah, that's true. Uh, um,
1: well, I
2: mean, I mean, I suppose I wish I'd, I'd, I'd shorted the banks. I mean, I, I thought, I thought when uh, uh, I mean, we 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 decided to sell a lot of property in two thousand and six, seven, and eight because we thought, you know, the economy is really overcooked. But we thought uh, that you know when that the banks wouldn't go bust and they did so there was no banking system at all in fact Ireland nearly went bust When I, mean, I did, I knew it was going to be severe but I had no idea it was going to be that severe so I mean I suppose I might have acted differently if I really thought about how bad it was going to be I mean Ireland uh, couldn't borrow money period and now it's back in business it's amazing how fast it's turned around our bonds are rated highly and we can borrow money for almost nothing now yeah I mean so, yeah, of course, I've made mistakes.
1: So a strange question, perhaps, but do you have anything exciting coming, Jay? Is there anything now that you're like, I have this to look forward to?
2: Well, I, 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 I mean, I, I think as long as you have your health and your mental health and you're able to work and you can use the experience you have, and perhaps, uh, you know, you work with some other people who bring new experience or whatever. Um, I mean, you get to 50 my age and you sort of wonder, what well, what do young people want? I mean, my children are 25 and 30 now. I mean, when I had my first business, I was 21. So I had a better idea of what 21-year-olds wanted. How do I know now? So, I mean, I like people. I like working with people. I, I still love architecture. I love buildings. I love the process of building. Um, so... You know, I hope to be doing lots more things before I'm, before I'm done. And you know, I, I consider myself uh, lucky. And, you know, so many of my friends um, and business colleagues, you know, end their lives from the pressures of business and the vagaries of what goes on. I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember in 2006, you know, you know, pe- various economists, my friend David McWilliams and uh, the UCD economist. Um, i've forgotten the name of morgan i've forgotten his name but i mean they they were they were ostracized for for calling uh the irish economy what it was which was a giant ponzi scheme you know they were told they were mad and uh <laughs> you know and, and and they were right and unfortunately that the group think that that led us down that path you know led people to borrow too much money and in some some in some cases they 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 couldn't take the fallout of that, you know.
1: Is it a priority on your list, Jay? I think everyone remembers the video from 2020. Yesterday afternoon in Berlin D2 on Dame Lane, it shows a man with a bottle of spirits on a bar counter, pouring alcohol into the mouths of several people dancing below. Is it a priority on your list to get the license back for Berlin? Oh, no, the, the,
2: the, 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 the guards have indicated they have no objection to the license going into that premises and it's going to be a pub license in this occasion it was a theater license and so that was a sort of a an entertainment's kind of it had bands and painting and all sorts of djs all sorts of creative uh activity going on which was great fun and uh and very interesting full of ncad people and arty types from all over the city and foreigners and bands and it was it was it was like an arts collective actually and, and uh, you know, very sadly, it, you know, it's the only business that's really suffered from the fallout of, of, of COVID. I mean, the barman in question was very sorry for what he did. He apologised to me. He apologised to everyone. We apologised to everyone. You know, it was 20 seconds of madness. Um, in fact, I was just worried about him at the time mm-hmm. and the staff who were being trolled a little bit and uh, young people are quite vulnerable, actually. So, you know, you think that under 25s are, are bulletproof. They're not. They're, in fact, quite a lot more vulnerable than older people in lots of ways. So and that was my concern uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, happily, he's left Ireland and his career is going very well elsewhere.
1: You've mentioned mental health quite a bit, Jay. Is this something that you're quite, you know, passionate about or is it something that you're quite quite mindful of?
2: Well, I, I think we all have to be mindful of that. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, if you are an employer or, and you're responsible for people, you have to be mindful of it. And uh, I think, uh, I mean, I did study psychology for a few years, um, which gave me sort of a little bit of background in it. But I would always try and be mindful of, of what's gone through someone's mind. You know, I think it's important. Um, you know, you never know. Everyone has a problem. Every family has a problem. And to make assumptions about, you know, are they're robust or this, that's the wrong assumption. And uh, I think uh, we, have to be, we have to be kind to each other. And uh, the, the job of hospitality is to be kind to people. You know, to make them feel welcome and happy, give them a bit of joy, let them dance. You know, if everyone's dancing, everyone's happy. You know, and that's always a pleasure to see.
1: Irish Independent Legal Affairs Editor, Shane Phelan is here to explain why Jay Burke is back in the headlines. Shane, who is Jay Burke and what were some of his businesses that listeners would be more familiar with?
0: Well, Jay Burke would have been one of the most prominent publicans and restaurateurs in Dublin. I think at one stage he had pub and restaurant businesses employing more than a uh, thousand people. And I suppose it wouldn't have been just just Dublin as well, um, prominently in Dublin, but... He would have started up back in the, the, the late 1980s, opening um, Wolfman Jack's restaurant in Rat Mines. And then he went on to uh, open uh, ReRaw nightclub, uh, The Globe, uh, Front Lounge, Eden Restaurant. And, um, and he
1: was quite young when he kicked off his business he, career. He was,
0: yeah, yeah. And he, and he expanded out from Dublin as well. You know, had the, the Bodega in, in Cork, which I'm very familiar with myself. Uh, The Savoy in Cork as well, the Garavogue Bar in Sligo, and uh, he was also um, uh, involved in the the Café Bar Deli group. So very, very well-known pubs, restaurants, and he was involved in all of them.
1: So what's going on now? Why exactly is he facing bankruptcy?
0: I suppose over in in, in recent years, his his fortunes have have, uh, taken uh, a bit of a downturn. And in a way, it's kind of been coming for a while. He has debts of around 13.7 million euros, so very substantial debts. Most of that stems from his involvement in, in Belinter House. It was a county mead hotel that he co-owned with the, uh, the late uh, music promoter John Reynolds. but things went went sour there uh, a number of years ago and uh, he owes uh, Pepper Finance Corporation about twelve point three million arising from his involvement with uh, Belinda House. So that's the vast bulk of his his debt. And I suppose how his kind of financial predicament has has kind of come into the public domain, Recently is that he uh, applied for a personal insolvency arrangement. Now this, um, Denise, it's, it's a it, personal solvency arrangements were, were one of a number of mechanisms that were introduced after the last financial crash, basically to help people deal with their personal debt. And in particular, personal insolvency arrangements is designed to get, give someone a deal on their debts, but also help them to um, uh, hang on to their family home. So you're talking about big debt write-downs, restructured mortgages, and so on. There are conditions attached. Creditors can and quite often do object, but their objections can be overruled by the high court. Um, So, uh, Jay Burke, you would have engaged what's called a personal insolvency practitioner. Uh, A plan or an arrangement was put in place late last year, and uh, this uh, application would have been made to the court but just in in the last few days, the uh, the High Court has actually been told that it can dismiss the application. Now we didn't get the full reasons for that, but uh, the main creditor here, Pepper Finance, which is owed the twelve point three odd million uh, in relation to Belinter House, they had uh, a number of objections. We believe that one of the main issues that kind of led to this arrangement being dismissed or withdrawn was that part of the arrangement was um, Mr. Burke was, was, was pinning his hopes on the flotation of an insurance brokerage called Excess Direct. Now, as part of the personal insolvency arrangement, he would have had to make a, make a contribution to creditors, and he was hoping that arising from this flotation, he would be in a position to generate between 570,000 and 750,000 euros. But those plans were completely scuppered in February when uh, receivers were appointed to the brokerage. So you're not going to have any flotation and this um, this money is just not going to materialize. So where it has left him is basically in a situation where um, he is facing a bankruptcy petition in a separate part of the High Court. And that's a petition that's been filed by the revenue commissioners.
1: I'm Denise Cullinan and today's Indo Daily was produced by Siobhan McGuire. Researched by Tabitha Monahan and sound by Gav Hennessy. Clips are from independent.ie, Berlin bar footage from Twitter user at antune619. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review.